If you're out there feeling called to be a nurse coach, there's all these reasons that are gonna come up to not do it, all these fears within yourself. But I assure you, if you're a nurse and you want to help people, you have what it takes to do that and to just step into that and just keep that in mind and just stop procrastinating, go do it. There is a way to make it work. Hey, fellow nurses, welcome to the best place for you to learn all about nurse coaching. I'm Heather. And I'm Peter. We're co-founders of the Nurse Coach Collective, where we've helped thousands of nurses find more freedom and fulfillment by training them to become board-certified nurse coaches. If you want to help your patients prevent, treat, and reverse disease through holistic lifestyle coaching. If you want something more from your nursing practice, then head on over to nursecoachcollective.com. Together, we're transforming healthcare one conversation at a time. But for now... Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello, nurses and nurse coaches. Welcome back to the Nurse Coach Collective podcast. I am your host, Heather Lapidus, co-founder of the Nurse Coach Collective. And today I have someone awesome joining us for a pretty cool conversation I think we're about to have. Delane Benson, nurse coach, Oh, there's so much goodness that I'm about to share with you about her. But Delane, what's up? How are you? I'm fantastic. So excited to be here. All right. Well, let me tell you all a little bit more about Delane, a board certified nurse coach in private practice who lives in central Idaho with her fam. She has a passion for facilitating profound personal growth and healing in others, which is backed by over 20 years of experience in the fields of wellness and healthcare. Through in-person and virtual coaching, she guides individuals and groups towards life-changing experiences using a blend of science and spirituality. She specializes in supporting overachievers, perfectionists, and people-pleasers to help them break free from limiting beliefs and self-sabotage to create lasting transformation in their lives. Raise your hand if that's uh, one of you out there listening. Delane, I know maybe that's you. That's oh, definitely yeah. me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Her, oh, yeah. Her approach integrates coaching, energy work, breath work, and guided imagery, offering a holistic path to healing, empowerment, confidence, and the discovery of authentic joy. I hope you're taking some of that in when you hear your own introduction delay. <laughs> I'm like feeling a little bit blown away by how cool that is. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I have to say, usually for usually for these intros, we try to you know cut them cut them a bit short or condense them. I couldn't cut a single sentence out of that because you're just so cool and the background that you're bringing into the work that you're doing and all of the different components and modalities that you are bringing now under your role as a nurse coach uh, is just so cool. You're really, for me, kind of like blasting through that glass ceiling of what's possible as a nurse coach. So celebrating you and thrilled to get to spend this time with you. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. So Delaine, tell me a little bit about how you got here. Like before we dive into how amazing and deep the work that you're doing as a nurse coach is. You obviously haven't always been a nurse coach, probably didn't always know that it even existed or was a possibility in your future. Um, what what kind of nursing background do you have and, and where were you at before? There's kind of two parts to my whole nurse coach story. And the first part begins about 20 years ago. I became a massage therapist because 
I really just wanted to help people feel better. It was just coming from this heart-centered place. So yeah, I tried that out and it was a very holistic massage therapy school. So I got a really good education, started helping people, but then it just felt like it wasn't enough. And so after, um, it was either seven or eight years, I started nursing school and then became a nurse. I've done tele, PACU, and it had kind of gotten to that exact point that I had gotten to before of, okay, I'm helping people, but this still doesn't feel like enough, but I didn't have any idea of what would be out there to do differently. And um, Which is a crazy way to feel once you're a nurse, because it's like nursing is the healing profession, right? You get there to know that you're doing the utmost to help people. So the fact that you got there and then still felt that way is pretty telling. Yeah. And, you know, one of the one of the most clear moments where I remember feeling this is I remember there was a person that came in for a colonoscopy and they were just having all these GI symptoms. And I remember thinking this feels like anxiety. This doesn't feel like there's some kind of chronic disease going on here. This just feels like their nervous system is absolutely wrecked. And so I talked to the doctor and said, you know, this is just the feeling I'm getting. What do you think? And just being so dismissive of, oh yeah, well, it's in her head for sure. First of all, that response is not okay. But second of all, then what are we going to do about it? Even if it is in her head, which I think it's much more complicated than that. What do we do? And there was no answer. It was, well, okay, I'm just going to prescribe her this and do this and hope it works out. So that was really what started really making me feel like there was something else I needed to be doing. In 2015, my husband was involved in a um, a really bad concussion. It was a first he had an accident with my son just chasing him around the house with a Nerf gun of all things. <laughs> and, um, and he's 6'3", and he fell with all of his weight onto his chin. And yeah, he basically lost a few a few weeks of his life. Like he doesn't remember anything from that time. And then pretty shortly after, he had a really bad bike accident and got a second concussion on top of the first. And that's when our our story really began to change. And between depression, PTSD, anxiety, all these things just really started to overtake him. And um, much like me, he's a people pleaser as well. So he just kept stretching himself thinner and thinner and thinner and not getting the care that he needed for all these things that were affecting him. And so when he did finally get to that breaking point. That's interesting because he probably on that journey encountered people who, like the doctor you worked with, sort of said, it's all in your head. And what are we going to do about it? I don't know. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And that's what even one encounter um, with the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist yawned through the entire session and just acted like he wanted to be somewhere else. Oh, no. I mean, what does that do to a person (sighs) who's in such distress? And so I saw all these things as both a nurse and as his wife. And so it really gave me perspective on if you don't have a nurse advocating for you in your home, what does that look like if you're having these struggles? And it got really scary. And so, yeah, my husband's health is declining because we can't find any help that actually does anything other than throwing more and more prescription medications at him. So it became my thing just to kind of explore, well, let's look into this trauma thing. Let's look into the traumatic brain injury. Let's look into alternative ways to work with this. And so that's what really started to really build within me is this sense of I am seeing all these pathways to help people. And nobody seems to know anything about that. And even within the healthcare system, I mean, primary 
healthcare physicians and they don't know about this. And so that just started to really ignite a passion within me of, I need to be doing something about this. I need to be raising awareness. I need to be helping people navigate all of this. Would you say that more of this is fueled by like a, a passion and an interest in the mental health side of things or really looking at, you know, traumatic experiences, both mental, emotional, physical? Um, is it a combination of everything? How would you kind of describe when you say I suddenly had this new awareness of what my passion was, what I was interested, what I had to do something about? Like, what is the it that we're talking about it? If you can, if you can describe it. It really is twofold. Um, there's the part of me. And I think this was what initially drew me to the Nurse Coach Collective was this part that just wanted to get information out there about nervous system regulation, about just basics about trauma, just so people can understand their own behavior. But what I've since developed in the collective and then moving on forward, because the collective is so transformation focused, is that, sure, I love all of that, but I want to combine it with feeling empowered. I want to combine it with dreaming. I want to combine it with let's have you live the life of your dreams and heal all of these things that are going on that are holding you back, that are self-sabotaging you. So it's really that collective altogether is where I end up landing. And it's just, that is what gets me going. That's my passion. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about this like nervous system regulation and trauma that you're talking about. Because I imagine that even though, you know, nurses, we are so well-educated in many areas of health and well-being, I certainly cannot say all areas. And for many nurses and even many nurse coaches, I think some of the stuff that you're talking about, um, these may not be super familiar or super comfortable topics. Yes. And the, you know, the basics, at least with the nervous system regulation, and we're all familiar with the sympathetic nervous system, which we, nurses, they always called it fight or flight, and then the parasympathetic, so the part of your nervous system that's more like the rest and repose. Um, at least that's what I was taught in nursing school. And so you've got these two parts of the autonomic nervous system that are your balance. They're the ones that help you get through your day. Sometimes you're going to need to be in that more activated sympathetic nervous system state um, so that you're able to be able to attack any sort of, it's funny because the, the word that comes up is threats. Um, and in reality, our bodies perceive things to be threats when really it's just something that we're going to need a little more energy for. We're going to need to um, kind of dive deep on this thing. So for example, like if you, okay, right now, right now I'm on this podcast, I'm talking to you and I need to have a little bit more energy. I need to have a, my blood flow going and, and just really be in the state of like, here I am, I'm ready to go. So my sympathetic nervous system is activated. So this isn't a true threat. However, to my body, I'm in a bit of an unsafe situation right now. <laughs> and so that's the thing that I learned through all of this work is that we have all of these lovely things that our sympathetic nervous system does to make us prepared for action. But the problem is, and... I can't even tell you how many people I encounter, and especially nurses that I encounter that are like this, that yes, they've got that sympathetic nervous system, but it's gotten overactivated. And so you are just perceiving threats constantly. Everything seems stressful. Everything seems overwhelming. And then one thing that really, really surprised me as I started to dive into this is it isn't just fight or, or fight or flight in the sympathetic nervous system activation. There's two other parts, and there's freeze and fawn. 
And so freeze is the one that really resonated with me. Once I learned about that, I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. When I start to get into feeling completely overwhelmed, I freeze. And then I do something to numb myself. It might be watching TV. It might be eating some kind of really comfy food, like a mac and cheese or something like that. And then it could be really even just zoning out, just absolutely checking out of my body and I'm gone for a little bit. And I'll have big moments of time before I started doing this work where I would get overwhelmed and then what happened to those two hours? And so what I've learned now is that was my freeze response activating. I was looking at something as silly as my list of things to do, but it was getting me activated and making me think, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. And then I checked out. And then the other one, the fawn response is, and I do have some of this, and especially it's common with people pleasers, is that you're actually trying to make yourself more desirable to the threat. And so an interesting way to think about this is maybe you have someone in your life and every time you're around them, you just start to get that uncomfortable feeling and you just don't like being in their presence. Their energy doesn't resonate with you, whatever it might be. Well, when you're around them, if you're a person that tries to cater to them, oh, I see them. So I'm going to offer them some food. I'm going to be really nice to them. I'm going to do all these things because they make me feel unsafe. Well, that's a fawn response. And so when I really learned about the freeze and the fawn, I thought this whole sympathetic nervous system is much more complicated than I thought. And I think I live in it almost 24-7. And that's what really started to change things for me and just helped me know this is the work I need to do on myself and then also what I want to teach other people. Well, I love hearing the way that you describe that. And and I think it's quite common, actually. I know so many nurse coaches that this tends to be the case is that when we find the thing that we most need to work on and we most need support with, we often find that that becomes at least a part of what our passion is for being able to serve and support others and something really, really similar, like this parallel of I'm going to walk this walk, but I'm also going to help others and help my clients do the same thing. So from those, right, fight, flight, uh, freeze and fawn, would you say that most people have a tendency to kind of fall into one category or the other across the board or have kind of a primary area that they tend to lean? Or is it more situation-based or, or what have you found in working with your clients? I feel like the most common thread that I've found is that we all have a default response and the one that we go to most, most often, but there is there can be a little underlying situational response that might have like a second one. And that's like me. I'm my freeze is my response, but I do fawn on occasion in certain situations. And that just kind of seems to be consistent across the board. Hey, hey, quick detour from the episode. We wanted to let you know that our next training is starting soon and there's still time to enroll. You get everything you need to become a board certified nurse coach, a world-class learning experience, expert mentorship, and access to the most amazing community of like-minded nurses. We have a limited number of spots left and our courses always sell out. So if you've been thinking about becoming a nurse coach, don't wait. The next start date is right around the corner and we don't want you to miss it. Oh, and one more thing. If you're looking to 10X your practice, check out the 2024 Nurse Coach Conference. It's gonna be an epic gathering of hundreds of powerful healers as we all come together to elevate our practice and transform healthcare. Tickets for the 2024 Nurse Coach Conference are on sale now and we can't wait to see you there. All right, now let's get back to the episode. 
And that makes sense, I think, you know, to have that default state. But then we, but then we dabble in all of the others because we are multifaceted humans and that's right. what we do. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we've got, you know, this nervous system dysregulation. And then the other piece that I've kind of heard you talk about is really thinking about trauma in a new way. And I think for so, so long and maybe still today, we've kind of shied away from this topic. And now it's coming in to be more of a fad to talk about trauma-informed care and that big T versus little T that maybe you can shine some light on us for. But the cool thing is that now it is becoming something that is acceptable to talk about and acceptable to explore. But the downside is that I think a lot of people use that language and they talk about trauma or trauma-informed care, but they don't really have an accurate understanding of what that means. I think from what you've shared with me that that's a pretty big part of the approach that you take in your nurse coaching practice. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, help me understand that and help our, you know, our listeners understand what do you think is important for us to know about trauma in general and, and being a nurse coach who takes a trauma informed approach? The first thing that comes to mind, and this was something that was really a struggle with me to understand my husband initially, is that you always need to validate their experience and their feelings. One thing that is so common with people with any level of trauma is that they have this negativity bias. It might just show up as how they're interpreting their life, how they're looking at things around them. And it is a deep down, like you're basically your brain telling you everything is bad. There's no reason to, I mean, in some extreme cases, there's no reason to live. There's no reason to do this. And so I think as a, as a nurse coach, really just validating people's experiences, their feelings, is a good way to start on the trauma-informed side of things and and allow them to express what they're feeling. Express, even though if you see evidence that that's not true, you start at, I understand how you feel. And I mean, a lot of that's hinted on in the, or talked about in the Nurse Coach Collective is we're really just trying to be with these people in this experience and not have an agenda and not tell them, oh, you know, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. That's not your experience. No, let them feel right. that. But then you're trying to help them find those little positive things instead of just letting them dwell in the negative. Okay, I understand you've had that experience, but now what do we do to try to pull you out of this? What do we do to try to help you find that bit of confidence? Like that's one th client that I worked with recently just has such a really negative idea of her self-worth. And so that's what she can only see all the things that are the evidence that she's unworthy. But I try to help her see, oh, but talk about this. You told me about this. That's amazing. And so just trying to really recognize more and have more self-awareness about the positive things that you do. So I think that's a good way to start with the trauma-informed. And then really, and this comes back to what you said about little T and big T, um, I think there's all these different degrees of trauma. And my own personal belief system is that we all have trauma. Like every single person has trauma. I feel like there's this deep down highest self within us and that highest self is perfect. That highest self is our pure essence. It's our soul. It's just this beautiful thing that's within us. But then all of the traumas are the things that come over us, almost like onion layers. And they make us show up in this world and in this existence in the way that we're being. And so 
in that interpretation, we all have trauma. And yeah, the, the specific tra traumas that I really focus on are ones that lead to perfectionism, overachieving, people pleasing. But there are so different, many different ones that can show up in your life. And um, just to define the different levels of trauma, the yes, please. The, the lowest one is really, um, I feel it's called micro trauma. I feel like that's the best description of it. And that's just little bitty things that don't even seem to have an effect on you on the day to day, but over time can. And so an example of that, that would be every time you're, you're making dinner for your family, someone goes, ah, and rolls their eyes or says, oh, you're cooking, no. you know, something like these little things. And so that's not that big a deal. However, if you hear that over and over and over and over, over time, it could be subconscious, but you're going to start to get this feeling within you of, oh, it's time to cook dinner. It's not going to make anybody happy. I'm a terrible cook. And it starts this whole cycle within you. And so that's like- I a, already have that feeling just hearing you <laughs> say that once. I'm like, oh, why would somebody say that when I'm trying to cook dinner? <laughs> right, totally. And yeah, I feel like that's a- that's a really good explanation of it because, yeah, it's it's seemingly pretty innocent, but over time, it really starts to take its toll on you. And it starts to have an effect on your nervous system where, like I said, you think about cooking and then you just get tense and you think, oh, now I have to do that thing. And then in turn, it also affects your self-worth. Moving on to like the next level would be like the little T trauma. And this is a story I like to tell and my clients could tell you, I really like to share some of my own personal trauma stories because I feel like that helps people really connect to you and feel safer exploring their traumas. Um, and so this one, this little T one, it's something that doesn't seem huge, but I know it had a giant impact on my life. And so for this story, I was, I was in fourth grade. And up until that point in my life, I had been so heart-driven and heart-centered. Like, I just loved everybody. My heart was on my sleeve. And so, yeah, I got a crush on a boy. He's going to know all about it because I'm going to tell everyone. And, you know, just with everything, I was so open and so loving. I had the hugest crush on this boy. And I went to a basketball game. And I was with some friends. So I sent the friend over, just like you do in elementary school. I would love for you to go tell him that I like him and see what he says. And so I sent the friend over. He went over, talked to the boy. He came back and he's like, oh, no, he's not interested. Well, why isn't he interested? And I kept pushing. And this was a yeah, friend, so not? he didn't want to why tell not? me what I'm he said. amazing. <laughs> right? But I love him. <laughs> but yeah, so I just kept pushing. And then finally the friend looked over and he's like, he said, you're too ugly. And I was just like, mm. no. and it was like a gut shot. And I remember in that moment, yeah, like it really it changed a few trajectories in my life. And the first one was putting so much more value on the th all things superficial. I wanted to be pretty. I wanted someone so that I could feel that sense of self-worth. I wanted someone to think I'm pretty. And so it really just shifted a thing in me that I had never cared about before. And then the other thing was really starting to be more cautious about how I expressed myself and how I expressed my love. And it was that first layer of, no, you can't be yourself. You have to be like this really cool person that he's going to want to hang out with. And so those two things, even though the incident isn't that big of a deal when you, you know, have a perspective of your whole life, 
it actually kind of is because it really changed some of my core beliefs and some of the ways that I show up in the world. So wow. yeah, like that was and the from such that's a, a young, young age. Yeah. Yeah. And there is some power in being able to discover these things about yourself. And that is some of the work that I do is just going back and doing the inner child work. And I've sat with that fourth grade self so many times and just told her, you know what? You are worthy. You are loved. You are special. And show your love. Don't hold that out. Don't. One of the big things I've had to work through with all of this work is I felt like I couldn't shine my light. And just every single part of my existence, it was scary to do that. I was afraid of rejection. It even felt like a sense of abandonment might happen. Like someone might abandon me because like I'm showing up and my light is too bright. And so that's a lot of the work that I've had to do. And I've traced it back to that fourth grade self. She was too scared to show who she was really. And by comforting her and loving on her, I'm now I'm able to show up in the way that I want to. This is really, really, really useful for my brain to be able to like compartmentalize and understand these different layers. Um, and these examples are awesome because as you're walking through them, I'm like, yep, okay, I can think of my micro traumas where, you know, over and over again, maybe these little comments of I had been labeled as a indecisive person, which is not untrue, but that little label kind of coming up again and again and being either painted in the light at, through which somebody said it or in my light through which I perceived it. Now, when I'm coming on a big decision, they are harder for me because I hear those little voices of, you know, you're indecisive, you're an indecisive person. You know, just little things that I never would have noticed throughout the day, but okay, I can see how those start to micro over time have started to add up and really impact me. And who for the for the little t i can go back to childhood on that too um i i love to sing i have always been a singer and been in chorus in you know elementary school and middle school and i remember in it must have been 6th grade and i had a solo in one of the chorus performances and I was very nervous, but I did great. And at the end of the year, my music teacher gave me an award for, I can't remember the language of it, but it was basically like most petrified <laughs> or like most shaky. And it was supposed to be a really good thing, a positive thing. Like you pushed through it, you were nervous, you were shaky, but you got up on stage and you sang. But instead, my, you know, little sixth grade heart took it as, oh my gosh, I was up there on stage and, and everybody knew I was nervous and I was shaky. And over time in my life, I can see how every time I've had to give a presentation, I'm uber aware of, you know, is my paper shaking? And that even came up, you know, may or may not know it, but that even came up for me Last year, hosting the nurse coach conference, you know, standing up on stage in front of 250 nurse coaches, I might look confident, I might seem confident, and there's a part of me that is, but there's that other part that's got that, you know, little T rearing its head being like, you might be really shaky, everybody might know that you're nervous, and then learning to have those conversations with myself of, okay, so what? <laughs> and what do we do with that? And how do we work on this? But neither of those are stories that I've reflected on on a daily basis. So literally just listening to you lay all this stuff out, Delaine, is like giving me a lot of self-awareness here. This is really cool. 
And it really is amazing once you start to put that thought into yourself. You can you see where all of your little patterns come from. And and yeah, in many cases you can take it all the way back to even one incident and think, huh, that that's where that shifted. That's where that changed. I would invite anyone right now who's, you know, listening or watching to like take a moment, press the pause button if you need to and and simply reflect. Cause I do think it's really valuable to reflect and think back. And, you know, it's not like we all have one micro T and one little T. There's We've lived entire lifetimes. So there's going to be all kinds of stuff that have shaped us and influenced us to be who we are today for better or for worse. But kind of use this framework that you're providing us here, Delane, to think about our own selves and our own lives. And um, yeah, what a, what a cool opportunity for reflection. So so what what comes next? What comes after the, the little T? All right. So then we've got the big T. And this is where I feel like people who haven't studied trauma very much have a misconception because when they think trauma, they just think of the big T stuff. You know, the most common, everybody's going to think of war, like somebody who's fought in a war, somebody who has seen someone die, who has, you know, like all of these really heavy things. And so that's where the big T things come from. And it's the, I just think of it in terms as it's something really obvious. Every single person is going to say, yes, that's trauma. And one thing that I think gets missed often is within nurses, within healthcare providers, if you've been to a code, that's depending on how it affects your nervous system, but that could very much be a big T trauma. And you also have to think in terms of it's collective as well, right? So maybe you've been to a code, you participated in it. Okay, that had an effect on your nervous system, but you felt like there was a good debriefing at your hospital and you were supported. Great. But what if you continue to see those over time? Like you're an ER nurse and or ICU nurse, and it's just coming and coming and coming. You have to think about the collective on that. It is going to have an impact over you over time. And you have to be working through that. You have to be processing the emotions that come along with it. You have to be really understanding on a very deep level how you're moving through this, as opposed to just letting it collect. And that's what like one of the clients that I work with right now, that's what I feel within this person is just they let it collect for a really long time and just kept saying, I'm so strong. I'm so tough. Well, you are. You are very strong. You're very tough. And yet you also need to process this to be able to get this all out of your nervous system, to be able to just feel safe on a daily basis, because that's the thing with all of this. Any of these traumas, once they start to collect, they really can affect your feeling of just safety in general life. And that's one thing that I've noticed so much, especially with nurses that I've worked with, is that they don't even realize they feel unsafe. They feel, you know, what they might say is, oh, I'm worried or I'm a little anxious or restless. Like I've had one client who was like, I'm not anxious. And I thought, oh my goodness, you were one of the most anxious people I've ever met. But she defined it as restless. Wow. I'm restless. Mm. And so that's all these things that our nurses and their inability to take care of themselves and instead take care of everybody else don't recognize it within them. Oh, yeah, we've got it piling up and piling up and we're not processing it. So our world is getting smaller and less safe and it manifests in all these weird ways that we don't necessarily understand it at the time, you know? Yeah. And interesting how language is so important there and also how you can see yourself in one way and somebody who is educated and insightful and intuitive, like you as a nurse coach coming in can see a totally different reality for that for that same person. And that becomes like a really, as a nurse coach, it's a, 
being gentle with them and and both being gentle with them and then helping them have grace for themselves. Because that's another thing, especially with the the groups that I work with, the perfectionists, the overachievers, they want to be perfect. And so when you tell them this thing, then they're like, oh, great. I have an anxiety problem. And, you know, it's all of these things that come along with that, or even like the stigmas that come along with that. And it's not true. You're amazing. You have all these great things within you. Have grace with yourself. You're having these struggles because of all these traumas that have come upon you. And half of them were from your job. Like, you know, like we should be thinking, thank you for your service. We should be celebrating these people. And instead, the person's beating themselves up because they're having an anxiety reaction to something or they're, you know, just having this totally normal reaction to the environment that they've been in. And thanks for speaking to that in relation to nurses and healthcare workers, because I think, you know, we as nurses, we get into this work knowing and understanding and accepting like, okay, this is going to be one of the most challenging jobs out there, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like we are going to be pushed to the brinks and we know it. And because we know that, then when it happens, we often forget that we still have to find a way to help ourselves and help each other move with it and move through it in a healthy way. Because thinking about, you know, what you said, the code situation, I used to work in the ICU. So I was in many, many gnarly code situations. And I don't think I ever had one single healthy debriefing session. You know, for me, I was lucky that I had a couple of coworkers that I could really sort of have an informal debrief with. I had a partner, Peter, who was also an ER nurse, so we could talk about it. But we don't get a lot of built-in support. There's not a lot of conversation about how trauma on any level, you know, micro or little or big, really plays into our day-to-day and so much of what we do as nurses. And that's one thing that I... I'm really just trying to help within my local hospital of just changing the culture to help them understand more things. It's, I tried to propose a group originally to them. And um, of course, there's been all the struggles that come with corporations, <laughs> everything like that. <laughs> yes. But, but yeah, that's one of the things I'm trying to work on. And since I haven't been able to get there to the place I went to quite yet with the hospital system, I'm kind of going back door to the nurses themselves and offering workshops and offering things that they can start to learn about these things. In fact, I'm giving one soon about just nervous system regulation and really helping people just get a better understanding of this so that they can start to take care of themselves. Because that's the biggest thing is we need to get we need to get the awareness out there so that people understand that's what's going on with them. I love this. And so as I was kind of preparing to to talk with you and thinking that we might discuss some of this stuff, I pulled up our nurse coach collective manual, you know, the book that goes along with the course. And I was pulling out some of those statistics that we talk about, um, you know, things like knowing that more than 70% of adults report, these are just the ones that actually report it, experiencing some type of traumatic event like abuse, neglect, racism, discrimination, violence. And then we have more than 60% of adults who have experienced an adverse childhood event. And I think what you were saying before is like a lot of that is the big T stuff, which is easier to identify. So those percentages are not even including some of the smaller stuff, which can have 
an equally as large impact or a, or a massive collective impact over time. And what you said is your approach is that, you know, everybody, everybody has trauma. Everybody comes in with their traumas from their life past or present. And what is so cool about the nurse coaching approach, I think, is that while we always avoid labels, right? We never label somebody as being traumatized. We never make an assumption about what someone has or has not experienced. But nurse coaching is this inherently trauma-informed approach, which means being open to knowing that an individual literally from an evidence-based statistical standpoint is more likely to have some kind of history of experiencing trauma than not. And I don't know most providers in any realm of medical field that really take that no labels, no assumptions, but truly trauma informed in terms of knowing that that could be there. And this is going to be a safe space to welcome it in, to converse with it, to move with it, move through it. That really is the the thing that I'm trying to to get across to just local providers that I know. I'm very fortunate to live in a pretty progressive community as far as um, healthcare um, and even our local hospital. But there is still that, I mean, just like I talked about, like going to the colonoscopy and having the patient that it's all in her head. So obviously it's not widespread. It's not everyone. I know a few providers who are very open-minded to this, who are very progressive on this. And then I know many who are not. And so that's what I'm trying to um, also do within my community and, you know, I feel like there's this one thing that comes over you when you're in the collective. There are so many ideas that you get of how you want to help people. And especially someone like me, I I had really shut down from so many stressors in my life. I just had a lot of things go down right at COVID. So it was just this, it was one thing upon another. And I really got to this point that I kind of checked out of life for a little bit. And as I came back, and started to feel good again because of the work in the Nurse Coach Collective, because you have to do the work yourself. And so that's what this beautiful part, I started to feel myself come back and it activated my intuition again. My creativity came back. And then all of a sudden I've got this list of like 30 things that I want to do, but obviously you can't do it all in time. And so that's definitely one of the things that I want to work toward in my community is trying to work with providers more, try to even work with the nurses more to help them get a really deep understanding of this to help people. And there, I don't know the exact exact statistics, but I know that we have a high suicide rate within my community. Um, and so I would love to help people understand that more deeply, help people understand, understand the relationship of trauma and what it, that impact it has on your life um, so that you can A, help people who are in distress and then B, if you feel like you've got someone who you know is going down that road, then having all the resources, having the action plans to be able to help them. That feels like something that, you know, along, along the lines of what I'd like to help. But there's so many things, you know, I mean, it's like we talked about, there's trauma everywhere. So it's trying to figure out how to spend my time most efficiently to help people in the ways that I want to right now. Well, that's an amazing calling and an amazing idea, especially if you're I mean, probably every community needs that, but especially if you're in a community that's at really high risk, um, I can't 
think of anyone better to kind of implement those types of programs or awareness and really work with other healthcare providers in in your community than you, Delane. So I don't know how it's all going to pan out in the months and the years ahead, but um, I'm excited for what you're able to bring because I imagine that would really be just huge, huge piece of invaluable support for your community. Yeah, thank you. You clearly have had not only your personal growth and family experiences of navigating your own journey here. I think you have also gone above and beyond in terms of educating yourself on all of this beyond what you learned as a a framework and a baseline inside of the Nurse Coach Collective. But I think it's important to share with nurses and nurse coaches who may not have put the pieces together to recognize that nurse coaching is a model that really is inherently trauma-informed. And that doesn't mean that we are all experts on understanding, you know, trauma from all of these different angles. But a trauma-informed model can really be boiled down to some more simple things that are so important that we take for granted, right? Like, as nurse coaches, we listen to and we validate our clients' experiences. We focus on building trust, right? Through transparency, through co-created agreements. We prioritize seeking permission, right? We're always trying to promote and maintain that safe and healing environment. We make sure everything is very personalized, right? No cookie cutter or one size fits all approach. And we're always practicing non-judgment, radical acceptance. And, and maybe on top of all of that, for me, what feels most important is that sometimes I myself have even strayed away from using the word trauma or I've like kind of shuddered at it and I've been uncomfortable talking about it because I have had an association with it like to say somebody has experienced trauma is to make them a victim, is to make them feel weak, is to take away some of their power. And so hopefully if we're doing it right, if we're teaching it right and we're practicing it right, then from the nurse coaching model, we actually see that no matter what trauma or lack thereof may exist, it's always going to be a client empowered model. And so our approach that we take with them of reminding the client that they're in control is no matter what trauma or not they come in, we can help it be, I don't want to say we can help the trauma become an empowering experience, but we can help the human remain empowered through working on and working through this. I have no idea if I'm explaining this correctly, Delane, but does that, what, what comes up for you when I put it into those, those words? And I think that, I think that's spot on. It's really, and that's, like I said, I, I started in this whole anxiety trauma realm and then ended up in empowerment too, because that's what it's all about is just helping them take their power back after whatever these experiences. And I mean, it's true. Sometimes I won't even say a trauma. I might say this negative experience. I might say this thing that, you know, just there's different terminology you can use, but that's, to me, that's not the important thing. It's really, how do you take your power back? How do you move on from this thing and not let it govern you anymore? Um, So like, if you look at perfectionism, a lot of mine started just because of my, uh, my culture growing up so 
much was about if I accomplish this and I win this or I do this, then I feel valued. Then I feel like everyone will love me. I carried that with me my whole life. And so once again, it's more of a micro trauma. It had started to have a giant impact on me because I had a lot of things going on in my life, being a caregiver for my husband. I was a charge nurse at my job. I have a stepson that he's in the middle of all of these things that are happening. And then COVID hits. And then when COVID hits, my dad has gets two different types of cancer and we can't get him treatment because COVID. So it's all of these things happening at once. And then that perfectionism in me that's still trying to be super mom, super wife, super daughter, great at the job. That's what led to my breakdown. And so that's kind of where I had to take this trauma and and really get a deep understanding of it is to understand there are good parts of this. I strive for excellence. I like excellence in my life. However, I need to understand this in a way that I also need to look out for my health. I need to be well so that I can show up for all these people in my life that I want to show up for. And even helping me see my priorities. My number one priority is my family. And so why am I spending all of this time because of my perfectionism overdoing it at my job at the hospital? That's what's been so beautiful about this whole experience of understanding trauma and understanding how it has an impact on each little aspect of your life is I know why I'm a perfectionist now. I have a lot more self-awareness to see, okay, it's coming up and it's having a negative impact. So now what can I do about it? And that's really where the difference is. And that's where the empowerment comes from is just getting that deep understanding. And then, and I mean, really, this is coaching in general. You stop and you question, okay, is this still serving me? Is this way I've been doing things still serving me? Or is it time to make a new plan? Is it time to reevaluate, reprioritize? And that's what's been so impactful. And just the thing that I think is huge with nurse coaching is really helping people to be able to take that step back from their lives, get that awareness. Oh, wow, I've been doing this thing. And now that I take a step back and I'm looking at it from the third person point of view, that's crazy. What was I doing? And it's so beautiful <laughs> when you have that moment because you're just like, oh, yeah. wow, time to regroup, time to reevaluate and let's figure this out. Well, Delane, it sounds like you have been on an incredible journey just navigating your own self-understanding and self-acceptance and self-growth. And it is beyond clear to me why that has only been able to make you a much more present and really powerful support and nurse coach for the people that you get to work with. I feel like I know who I'm turning to when I find that next big thing in life that I have to navigate and I'm realizing I've got all this other stuff from the past that's coming into play and affecting right. me. It's just so cool the work that you've done. And, you know, we've been talking for almost an hour here and I feel like we could go on for another hour. What blows my mind is that these are the things that you are interested in and passionate about and feel called to serve and support others. And you have found a way to leverage nurse coaching to have your own private practice, right? To work with one-on-one -on -one clients, to work with groups. I think you said you do virtual and you do in-person. And I have this, this list that you provided for me and I'm gonna just read it if it's okay with you rather than putting you on the spot to think of things. But you know, <laughs> yeah. you mentioned that your program covers 
shadow work and emotional regulation, getting unstuck, self-empowerment, letting go of something that no longer serves you, right? Expressing emotions in a healthy way, big visioning for the future and manifesting. Like that is it. That is the big, big stuff. So the fact that you're able to incorporate all of that into your practice and do it as a nurse coach and do it under your nursing license is just absolutely awesome. And I am celebrating you hugely. And I am just so grateful that there is someone like you out there in the nurse coaching field doing this really, really powerful work. Really just thanks so much to you and Peter as well for creating this program. Because there was a part of me that 20 years ago when I wanted to help people that this was it. I was headed toward this moment this whole time, but I didn't know what it was until I saw the Nurse Coach Collective. And that's what really put it all into terms to understand of, oh, this is the thing. And I feel like I've met so many just amazing nurse coaches and just nurses who are interested in this. And we are just such a special group of people. Nurses are amazing on so many levels. And when I look at, you know, if I get online, and I look at health coaches and I look at life coaches and I see the things that they're doing. It's just such a deep feeling of pride to know that I'm a nurse coach because the level of assistance that we provide people and the way we empower them and the way that we show up is just so different. And I'm just really grateful that you guys created this program so that I could learn, okay, what do I need to do to do this thing I want to do? And then it inspired me to have the creativity to create the practice that I want. And yeah, it's it's so cool. Like I know so many nurse coaches and our practices look dramatically different. What we specialize in, how, I mean, even like I have an in-person practice too. There's just all this stuff that goes into it that's so interesting and so much fun. And it it just makes it so fulfilling. The whole process has just been incredible. Yeah, well, I am so happy that you found us when you did. And I am so happy that you chose to say yes to this pathway and that you've leveraged your own creativity and your passion to take this in exactly the direction that that has always been your direction. You just didn't know, didn't know it and didn't know how <laughs> right. you were going to get there. The fact the fact that Peter and I and the Nurse Coach Collective have had the honor to be a part of your journey is so meaningful so meaningful to us. And so I, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this collective and for spending this time here with me and with our nurse and nurse coach listeners. I think that this is going to be very insightful for many a nurse out there, Delane. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Anything else floating around in your mind, on your heart that you want to speak into this space before we wrap up? If you're out there feeling called to be a nurse coach, there's all these reasons that are going to come up to not do it. All these fears within yourself. And once again, we're getting back into like the little traumas that just make you feel like you're not ready for it. But I assure you, if you're a nurse and you want to help people, you have what it takes to do that and to just step into that. And the one thing that I really recommend about the collective, and I've noticed this because I have friends who've gone through other programs, transformative is one of the parts of the program. And I cannot emphasize the difference that that makes because so many of the other nurse coaches that I know who haven't want, gone through the collective, they're, they're very good health coaches and they're very holistic because all nurses are. But the collective itself, the transformative is the big thing. And I feel like it's just a different level that we take people to. 
It's to really deeply understand the root cause of everything. It's to really get a deep dive in on yourself. You have to do the work yourself to go through the program. And what I saw in myself and in others was so powerful. So just keep that in mind and just stop procrastinating. Go do it. If this is what you want to do, there is a way to make it work. I started out doing the program working full time. And then slowly over time, I started to generate income and I took it, I reduced my FTE and I just reduced my FTE when I could produce that income. And then when I got closer to about half and half, I just, that's it. I'm going full time and deep diving into this. And so there's a way for everybody to make it work. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you, if you're called to do this, do it. Stop waiting because just think, if I had you know, waited until the, the right time, which would probably be when my stepson graduates high school, that'd be two years from now I'd be starting this journey. Well, I'm so glad I did it. And yes, was it stressful navigating doing the program, being a full-time nurse? For sure. And also, it's the best thing I've ever done for myself. And so that's my final thing is invest in yourself. Invest in yourself and create this life that you want because it is possible. And just go for it. Like I can't, I can't express enough that we hold ourselves back from so much happiness and joy because we're afraid or because we think of all these excuses. But just stop doing that. Get ready to, to step it up and just take this next step. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that. Um, I found myself welling up with tears listening to you speak uh, because as you know, you know, Peter and I, we pour our hearts and souls into this work and into the program. We call it transformative nurse coaching for a reason, but unless there are nurses and nurse coaches like you, you know, being part of the collective and going through this movement and then getting out there and doing the work, we can provide the framework and the groundwork, but transformation occurs from within you are responsible for the transformation that you have experienced as will every other nurse and nurse coach who follows in our footsteps and what a cool empowering truth that is i just i just love it so delane thank you so so much for all of the information the education i feel like i'm 10 times smarter and wiser and a more informed nurse coach to get out there and practice with people than i was before this past hour with you for all of our nurses out there who may be interested in nurse coaching well you can just rewind back a few moments and listen to the wise words that delane shared with you um just raw honest from the heart thenursecoaches.com. You can find all of the information. If you're interested in learning more about Delane's practice, we will drop her information inside of the show notes. So if you want to find out more about exactly what she does and who she works with, please go check her out. And a final reminder that next year in 2024, we have the second ever Nurse Coach Conference happening. We would absolutely love to hang out with you. Delane, I hope that I get to see you there. Oh, I will be there, <laughs> and no doubt. And we to have a lot of fun. All right, okay, then we're gonna give that big high five and that big hug in person. And hopefully you'll find people there who say, hey, I, I became a nurse coach because I heard your episode and I heard you share and that was what I needed to hear to say yes. That would be amazing. <laughs> awesome, Delane. Well, thank you and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, head on over to nursecoachcollective.com where you can start your journey to becoming a nurse coach and get in on the most transformative specialty in nursing. 
create more freedom and fulfillment in your career and connect with some of the coolest nurses on the planet. We've got a free training and tons of resources to help you get started. So go to nursecoachcollective.com. That's nursecoachcollective.com.